Why don't you grab your copy of God's Word? You know today's a holiday weekend, like everybody knows that, right? Like it's Memorial Day weekend here in America, and we certainly honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. And I like to remind everyone, whether you consider yourself a patriot, whether you love our country or whether you don't love our country, if you speak well of our country or you don't speak well of our country, let me just remind you, your right and liberty to do that was paid for in blood by our servicemen and women. And... Um, and so you should thank a veteran or a serviceman or a servicewoman and understand that tomorrow while you're eating your barbecue, that, was, that, that, that freedom to do that was paid for in blood. Amen? And so was it, was it JFK that, that said there's only been two entities that's willing to give their blood for you, Jesus Christ and the American soldier or something like that? It was a great quote. Uh, so anyway, so we're celebrating that. But you know, today's a holiday. It's a holiday in Israel. It's Pentecost, right? Shavuot. Shavuot in the Hebrew. Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost is one of uh, the three pilgrim feasts. There's seven feasts. Three pilgrim feasts of Israel still celebrated. Passover being one. With Passover, you also have uh, unleavened bread and first fruits, and then you have Pentecost, and then you have the Feast of Trumpets, which has the Day of Atonement and Tabernacles kind of celebrated in conjunction with that. So there's seven, three major, and Pentecost is one of the uh, pilgrim, pilgrimage feasts where they would come to Jerusalem to celebrate. Uh, it's a feast that's not about fasting, it's about feasting, and it's really about celebrating the harvest, the beginning of the harvest. Um, and uh, it is actually, we're going to read in Acts chapter 2 about the day of Pentecost, but that's not where Pentecost starts. Where Pentecost starts is actually in, in the Exodus when they come to Mount Sinai and God gives the law or the Torah. And that's how most Orthodox Jews celebrate Pentecost is the giving of the Torah. So what we're going to read in Acts chapter 2, you can go ahead and turn there if you want to. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to read about Pentecost, kind of in, in a way the fulfillment of Pentecost, um, which again, is, if you look at the parallels, it's kind of incredible because we're going to read, and this is that text, and so if you know the text, and it's about the cloven tongues of fire and the day of Pentecost, and it's got all these, the wind and all this kind of stuff, and that makes you nervous, don't get nervous, it's just the Bible, we're just going to read the Bible, everybody, okay, we're just going to read the Bible, it's like, hey, it gets you right there, but um, get, get back in there, you know what I'm saying, anyways, uh, it's not like that. But there's so many wonderful pictures, you know, because we see in Acts chapter 2, we're going to read about the cloven tongues of fire. But Jewish historians would tell you that's what the original Pentecost and Exodus looked like. In your Bible, it says that God invited Israel to come and he wanted to speak with them or talk to them. He wanted them to hear his voice. Um, but we see in the text there was thunder and lightning and all those things. Jewish historians say they actually saw the voice of God, and that was the rumblings, and that was the flashes of light, and it was like fire. It was a voice like fire. That's what Jewish historians would tell you that day looked like if you studied out. It's incredible because then we get to Acts chapter 2, and that's kind of what it looks like. Um, the original, or, or when Pentecost is, is started, um, it, it is the giving of the law to Moses, the giving of the Torah. That's how it's celebrated. Uh, God wrote his law on tablets of stone. The fulfillment of Pentecost, what Ezekiel prophesies, is that God would write his law on our hearts, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what we see 
uh, in the fulfillment of it. Now, the word Pentecost, if that word is, you know, I don't know, complexing to you or intimidating to you because you maybe heard of a Pentecostal, and so you equate that with Pentecost. Well, Pentecostal is a denomination. Pentecost is an event. Okay? And Pentecost actually is not scary at all because the word actually means 50. Yeah, the word Pentecost doesn't actually mean tambourine. It doesn't mean streamer. It doesn't mean run around or roll on the floor or fall on the ground. None of those things are found in the meaning of Pentecost. I'm not trying to take that experience away from you if you grew up and you're like, but I love rolling on the floor. Praise the Lord, roll on the floor if that's what you want to do. I'm just saying Pentecost, for some of us, maybe we had a bad experience or something like that. And we're like, oh, Lord, Pentecost, that's the crazy people. No, Pentecost is not people. Pentecost is an event, right? And I just want to remind you that, that you may have had an experience with people and, and you may have said, man, those are crazy people and, 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 and they blamed it on God or whatever. I just want you to understand there are crazy people with the Holy Spirit and there are crazy people without the Holy Spirit. And they're just crazy people. And crazy people with the Holy Spirit doesn't make the Holy Spirit crazy. The Holy Spirit is not crazy. There are crazy atheists. There are crazy agnostic, crazy Hindus. There are crazy Orthodox Jews. There are crazy Muslims, and there are crazy people that are full of the Holy Spirit, and there are crazy people that do not have the Holy Spirit. But what you need to understand is the Holy Spirit's not crazy. And so if you had a crazy experience, you had an experience with crazy people. Okay? Let me just try to help you out, right? So, so Pentecost is not necessarily a people. It's not a people. It's a feast. And it's celebrated, it was originally 50 days after Passover, but in Leviticus 23, God actually changes it to be 50 days after first fruits, essentially. Now, why did he do that? Because he knew Jesus was going to be crucified on Passover, and he would rise on first fruits. And then he knew he was going to send the Holy Spirit 50 days after that. So in Leviticus uh, 23, he actually changes how they observe it. And he says, essentially, when, when you get to first fruits, then, then you number seven Sabbaths. And then the morning after or the day after, the seventh Sabbath would be the 50th day. That's when you observe Pentecost. And so that puts it 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus is crucified on Passover. He rises on what we know as first fruits. He's the firstborn. Come on, first fruits, the firstborn of many brethren. He rises on first. Then for 40 days, Jesus is on the earth revealing himself to his disciples. In fact, over 500 people uh, saw Jesus. And he's revealing himself, walking through walls, doing cool stuff right? And then serving breakfast for his disciples, doing some cool things. And then 40 days after uh, he rises, he ascends and he tells the disciples, he said, now you go to Jerusalem and wait until you're filled with power. They went to Jerusalem to what we know as the upper room. Someone said, well, pastor, what makes it the upper room? And I said, it was above the lower room. Like sometimes there's deep theology and things, and sometimes it just is what it is. You understand what I'm saying? This verse is like, what makes it the upper room? I'm like, because it's above the lower room. And when he wanted them to get there, he said, don't go to the lower room, go to the upper room. <laughs> he was giving directions, everybody. Anyways, and so he said, you go and wait. So they actually gather, and for 10 days, 
they pray for the promise from the Father, really not knowing or understanding completely what that is. And then we see Acts chapter 2. So that's how we get to Acts chapter 2. You ready for Acts chapter 2, everybody? All right. It says, when the day, I like somebody said, oh yeah, somebody ready for this message. Praise Jesus. Uh, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Notice it filled the house before it filled anybody. You see that? That's what I've been praying for two weeks, that it would fill the house. And it sat upon, it filled each of them, filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance, or some versions would say gave them the ability or enabled them. I want to talk to you just a few minutes. I called this message drenched. That's what I want to talk to you about. Let's pray. God, we need your help. Holy Spirit, it is your day. Please show out. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Um, have you ever been drenched? Does that kind of make sense? Have you been caught in the rain? Jan and I were uh, at the beach and... Um, we had, where we're staying, we got bicycles and we rode bicycles down to the beach. Um, and uh, by the way, and some of you know this, some of you are learning if you have small kids, you don't know this yet, but the beach after your kids are grown and when they're not with you is a completely different experience. I know some of you with young kids are like, prophesy to us, Pastor. I'm going to tell you there's a day coming. I would say unto thee, Truly, truly, verily, verily, I would say unto thee, if you are faithful in raising those kids, there's a day coming when you won't be the lifeguard, and you won't be the monitor, and you won't be the sunscreen putter on her, and you won't be the toy carrier. You will go to the beach without them, and it will be blessed and holy unto you. I love my kids, don't get me wrong, but you know, there's a difference when you're standing out in, in knee-deep water because you're the lifeguard, and you're just trying to make sure nobody drowns. And you're trying to make sure nobody burns. You're trying to make sure. And about the time you get one place, somebody needs to go to the bathroom. By the time you do one thing, by the time you get in, somebody wants out. And you get out, somebody wants in. And you understand what I'm saying? So it was a different experience because we went to the beach and we sat down. And we sat out under an umbrella and we turned on the music and we're reading our books. And by the way, Jen and I both love to watch people. There's a lot of people you can watch at the beach, y'all. There's a lot of interesting things going on at the beach. Sometimes you look at people and you just say, you don't have a friend, do you? Because you'd had a friend, they told you, don't wear that to the beach. Amen. But we were at the beach and all of a sudden I see this, it's getting dark over here. And I thought, oh man, is it going to rain? You know, it's, you know, and it rains something happening at the beach, man. It just keeps building clouds, darkness, clouds, darkness. And I finally looked at Jan and I said, we better go. We're going to get drenched. Well, before, I mean, wind shifts and before we can even gather our stuff, which is not that much when you, don't have, when you have children, you have to have a whole wagon to go to the beach. Y'all understand that, right? You got to have coolers and wagons. It's like a caravan. It takes four trips to get everybody down to the beach. You know, when it's two of you, you have a backpack. And so anyways, you know, get everything, put it in the backpack, and all of a sudden, man, the bottom, as we would say, just falls out. And it is right. And we're running, and we're running, and we don't have a car to run to. We have bicycles. 
And we run to the bicycles. We get on the bicycles, and now we're pedaling. We're pedaling, pedaling, pedaling. I still have, finally I realized I'm going blind. I can't see. I realized I still have my sunglasses on, and with the rain, I really couldn't. I really couldn't see. I'm like, this is how we all die right here. And I mean, we were drenched. Our clothes were drenched. The bicycle, everything we had was drenched. I mean, it just completely drenched. I mean, it just flooded for about 15 minutes. And how many of you know, by the time we got where we were going, got dried off and all that, all the rain stopped, sun came back out. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the beach. What was funny is we were dressed in beach clothes, y'all. It's okay to get wet. We're wearing swimsuits. You know what I'm saying? But it's still like, we're going to die. We're going to die. We can get in the ocean, but don't let it rain on us. <laughs> but we were drenched. And in that moment of being drenched, there was not one part of my life that was not affected by the rain. There wasn't one part of me that wasn't wet. You understand? I mean, my hair, my, my earlobes, my fingers, my toes. There wasn't one part of me that didn't get drenched. Have you ever been drenched? When I read Acts chapter 2, I think they got drenched. There wasn't one part of them that wasn't affected by the rain of the Holy Spirit. Because if we're being honest, can we just be honest because we're in church? If we're being honest, I mean, sometimes sometimes we, um, we want the reign of the Holy Spirit, but we want controlled showers. Like we want it to rain in the garden, but don't rain on the car I just washed. Lord, I need you to rain because the grass is, is getting a little bit dry, but, but I don't want to get wet. I just want the yard to get wet. Sometimes, if we're not, if we think about it, sometimes I think we can be guilty of telling the Holy Spirit the different places in our life we'd like to have a shower. I'd like you to rain on my kids, but I'd like you to move here, but not. Like, I want you to move in power, but don't tell me what I have to give up because I don't want to give this thing up, but I want you to bless this thing. I don't want to change this, but I want you to move here. I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of those things. I'll tell you one that's big with pastors. This is one that's big with pastors. Probably most pastors wouldn't be honest enough to tell you this, but since I'm not most pastors and we're just talking and we're family and we're friends, I can tell you, here, here, if pastors were really honest, they kind of pray a prayer that sounds like this. Holy Spirit, rain enough to make me look good, but not enough to mess up my ministry. Holy Spirit, rain enough to make me look good, but not enough to mess up my service order. Now, say I'm not like most, but I'm just telling you, it, it works everywhere. In the pew and in the pulpit, we kind of struggle with this. Because how I many you know we want the Holy, we, we need to move of God. I mean, I think you're here on a holiday, so I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. This is what I call easy plowing. Y'all ever done any, you didn't work on a farm, did you? Yeah, this is when Papa would let me run the tiller after he'd already run the tiller. That's easy plowing. You understand what I'm saying? And, and when you're preaching to church people who are here on a holiday weekend, it's easy plowing. And, and, and so, so I don't think I'm saying anything you don't know, but we need, we need a move of God. And not just in our nation, Lord, we need one in our house. You know, I, my daughter, and I, and I don't want to say too much, but I'll just say, I was talking with Mariah, and she's in a graduated from a, a Christian school. That was just where we felt like the Lord, not, I'm not against public school, I'm not trying to make a doctrinal statement or a philosophical statement. That was just the right decision for our family at the time. 
Um, and I thank God for the school that she was in. She was able to be there. What's interesting, she was in a, a, a Christian school, and she began to talk about people in her class. And it was amazing how many young people in a Christian school are completely confused about gender and their own gender, and they can't figure out what their own orientation is in a Christian school. And, of course, I know what public school can look like as well. I'm like, we, move, we need a move of God. I think we all can agree on that. I don't think I need to spend 20, 20 minutes trying to convince you that a politician can't fix it, a law can't fix it. We, we need a revival. We need a move of God. But you know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me? God spoke to me. He said, well, Marty, you can't have a move of God if you're ashamed of the person who brings it. See, it's the Holy Spirit that brings the move of God. And when the Holy Spirit has been relegated to controlled showers in certain seasons, in certain places, in certain moments. You see, I, I, think, I think the advantage that the first century church had in Acts chapter 2 that we don't have is they didn't have... And I want to I make points, and sometimes in making points, I kind of have to be a little strong and even use some hyperbole. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. But what they didn't have is all their preconceived notions and past experiences. What, what they didn't have is bad experiences, right? And what they didn't really have are any experiences with the Holy Spirit. Let me say another way. They didn't have, the Holy Spirit didn't have to move through their denominational affiliation or their doctrinal statement. Because so many times when we say we want the Holy Spirit to move, we say well, we want the Holy Spirit to move, but we think if we're from, maybe we grew up Baptist, we, we want the Holy Spirit to move the way we want Baptist, you know, like move the way you do in the Baptist, which Holy Spirit, if you're going to move, you got to do it by 1159. Because at 12 o'clock, we're going to lunch, right? But the other side, I could say growing up in, in a Pentecostal denomination, we didn't even need the Holy Spirit to move because we so much knew what it looked like, we would just do it without him. You see what I'm saying? So, so I'm not down on Baptists or Pentecostals. I'm just trying to make a point. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? And so, so many times we say, Holy Spirit, move, but move like you move in the Methodist church. Holy Spirit, move, move like you move in the Baptist church. Holy Spirit, move, but you need to move inside my doctrine, inside these perimeters, inside these guidelines, inside this time frame. And, and then we even tell people, well, the Holy Spirit, you know, is a, gen is a gentleman. He's a gentleman until you let him in the room. <laughs> Have you read the Bible? Because he's coming to mess stuff up. Like that is what the Holy Spirit does. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't believe that. Let him in the room. Without a doctrine that he has to abide by, a rule that he has to move by, a box that he has to fit in. Let him in the room. Because he's coming for one thing. He's coming to burn out of you anything that doesn't look like Jesus. He's coming to cause you to bear fruit unto righteousness, repentance, and godliness. He's coming to give you gifts that no one can explain. And he'll make you talk in a language no one can figure out. He's coming to mess something up. The problem is we have so tamed the Holy Spirit. It's almost, remember when I talked about how we have, we kind of, like the, like the golden calf, sometimes we're guilty of making God in our image and serving a God who's no God at all. Sometimes we're guilty of creating an impotent Holy Spirit that's just like a little dove that flies around occasionally just to remind us that we're, you know, God loves us. But when you read the book of Acts, 
the Holy Spirit's finding demons and casting them out. I mean, he's doing it through the apostles, but he was given for the power to do it. Are you? He's healing the sick, cleansing the lame, you know, cleansing, uh, cleansing the leper, right? All that's done by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we, we think so many times most evangelical churches would tell you that what we're trying, if you say, what are you trying to do? Well, we're trying to do the Great Commission, which is the right answer, by the way. That's the right answer. God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We, we, that's, you know, to every creature, baptize them in the name of the Father, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? That, that is what the church is supposed to be about. But so many times people will say, well, that, the last thing Jesus told us to do was to go into all the world. That's not the last thing Jesus told his disciples to do. The last thing Jesus told his disciples to do was go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of my Father. Well, how will we know? Oh, you'll know. Because when you let him in the room, let me just say on the day of Pentecost, he said, go until you're endued with power. How will we know when we've been endued with power? Oh, you'll know. Peter has to get up to preach on the day of Pentecost. I just want to make the point that any sermon that starts with, these men are not drunk as you suppose. That's a good day at church, friend. When that's, how, when that's your intro. What happened? We let him in the room. What happened? There was wind. There were tongues of fire. And everybody started talking in a language that they didn't themselves understand. I thought he was a gentleman. Well, he is. But let him in the room and he'll start rearranging the furniture. Do you see what I'm saying? See, the Holy Spirit, see, here's the thing. Jesus, he does want us to go into all the world. But what he knows is the power to do that we don't readily possess until the Holy Spirit comes. The crazy thing about God is he gives us a life that it's, if you really want to live the life God's called you to, it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. You think about it. He's going all over the world and preach the gospel and baptize them. You say, and we all kind of look at that. Yeah, that's the great commission. But what I'd say is, and I don't, I don't, I love you, but let me just say, how are we doing with that? Like we know the great commission go into all the world. We can't go across the street. So what he was telling them to do, go into all the world. There were no airplanes. <laughs> there were no, there were no live streams. How in the world were they going to go into all the world and preach the gospel? How in the world are we going to go into all the world and preach the gospel with live streams and with airplanes? He said, this is how you do it. You go and wait on the promise of my Father. You go wait until you're clothed with power. Because God will not call you to a life where he is unnecessary. He will not call you to a life that you can do without Him. He will not call you to a life that you can do without the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about just the Apostle Peter, just Peter. Prior to the Holy Spirit, it's the same Peter, Simon. Prior to the Holy Spirit, he wouldn't even say, I'm a follower of Jesus to a little teenage girl. Right? Jesus is arrested. You know the story. Peter's in the courtyard. Little girl says, hey, aren't you one of his followers? No. In fact, Peter starts cussing like a fisherman just to prove that he wasn't a follower of Jesus. 
what happens on the day of Pentecost. Peter's the one that stands up in the middle of Jerusalem where in some ways he was a halfway wanted man. And not only declare these men are not drunk, but go on to say Jesus was God and y'all killed him. Now that's a rough sermon. Like, you know, sometimes I think I preach hard sermons, but I didn't stand up and say Jesus was God, and not only did you not know it, you killed him. And then he rose again. It's so quiet in here. In Acts chapter 2, what happens is really what I would call the baptism with her in the Holy Spirit. A lot of people don't know this, but there are three baptisms in the Bible. And they're in the Old Testament and the New Testament, by the way. They're foreshadowed. Old Testament, we see the fulfillment in the New Testament. The first one is, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, We're baptized in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Okay, For by one Spirit you were all baptized into the body, whether Jews or, or Greeks, slaves or free. In other words, this is salvation. This is for everybody. So no one really has a problem with that, salvation. Second one's water baptism, right? Um, is where a disciple baptizes in water, right? The Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Nobody really has a problem with the first two, especially in the Bible Belt. It's when we get to this third one. We get to this third one, it starts creating controversy. Because John... The Baptist. You don't think God understands irony? The Baptist, John, said, I indeed baptize you with water again under repentance. But there's coming one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Leave that verse up just a second. I got a question for you. John said, I'm baptizing you with water, but someone else is coming to baptize. So the question is, are the baptizers the same? No. One is John and one is Jesus. Are water and fire the same? Are repentance and the Holy Spirit the same? Then according to John... The, the first Baptist. There's a third baptism. That is after his baptism. It's in all four Gospels. Culminates in Acts chapter 2. If you want to see it in the Old Testament. By the way, I've, I've taught a whole series on this. I don't have time to reteach it today. If you want to see it in the Old Testament, you can look at Israel. They come out of Egypt on Passover salvation. They pass through the Red Sea, which the Apostle Paul says is baptism. And then they go to Mount Sinai where the cloud and the smoke and the fire, Pentecost or baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you look at the tabernacle of David, if you go to worship there, you bring an offering and uh, it's slain, blood, blood is poured out. So that's salvation. You go to the laver and you wash, that's water, right? And then you're anointed with oil, that's spirit. So there's three baptisms. You see them throughout the Old Testament, and you can see them listed throughout the New Testament. I don't have time to walk you through all that. When you think about Jesus, 
you know, is seen in all of them. We saw that he was crucified on Passover, resurrected on first fruits, right? Um, he will return, actually return, and that will be like trumpets, the Feast of Trumpets, but also the giving of the Spirit. He said, if I go to the Father, then he'll send another that's on Pentecost. So there are three baptisms. Three baptisms that the believer can experience. Here's the purpose of them in, in salvation. I become a new creation. I'm born again, right? New creation. Water baptism, the old part of me is cut away, circumcision of the heart, Paul said. And then in spirit baptism, I receive the power, and you will receive power, Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I receive power to walk in the new. The, the, the reason the Holy Spirit is given to us is for power. Just like it said in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we just read it, but it said they spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. If you, wanna, if you want just a, a, a mission statement of the Holy Spirit in a way, that's it. The Holy Spirit enables you. He gives you power. Power for what? Power over sin. Power over secrets. Power over temptation. Power to live the life that God... Power to be a dad. Power to be a mom. Power to be a husband. Power to be a wife. Power to succeed in your calling. To power to live unto God. Power to live uncompromised in a very compromised culture. He gives you power. Right? Would we agree that to live the Christian life today, if you can do it in and of yourself, then is that really salvation? Is it really God? Is it really divine? No, I need power, power to overcome. Because Christians are supposed to look different, be different, act different, talk different, and do different than everybody else. Well, what makes the difference? The Holy Spirit, the power of God in our lives. So the Holy Spirit comes to give us power. Right? I become a new creation and the old is cut away, but then I need the power to be who God created me to be. Remember what made Adam, Adam? It was the holy breath of God. That's what Holy Spirit is, the holy breath, the holy oxygen, the pneuma, if you will, from the Greek. It's the breath of God. What made Adam empowered, right? It was the breath of God. What does Paul say? If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell, if the same breath that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, it gives life to our bodies. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't just need the Holy Spirit so we can live. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our churches again. We need to be drenched in the Holy Spirit and stop telling the Holy Spirit where it can move and when it can move. I'm like a little shower over there on my marriage. I like a shower over there on my kid, like a little blessing, rain on my bank account today. But Lord, don't mess up my schedule. Don't mess up my hair. No, how about what if we went to God and we removed all the parameters and we removed all the doctrines and we removed all the experiences and said, be God. I think the advantage, remember the advantage I said they had? They didn't have all that. What did they have? Go and wait in Jerusalem. For what? You're endued with power. How will we know? You'll know. Well, how would they know? Because it was an experience. See, what's amazing to me, we have so many people saying, I want to experience with God. Do you really? It's an experience. What was the experience? Well, they spoke with tongues. Oh, Lord, Pastor, don't talk about tongues. I finally got my friend to come. 
Why not talk about it? It's in the Bible. Since when is tongues not a normal thing in the life of the believer when it was a normal thing in the life of every believer in the book of Acts? When did the Holy Spirit become abnormal? Can't have a move of God if we're ashamed of the person who brings it. See, well, I'm okay with the gifts of the Spirit. Well, one of the gifts of the Spirit is tongues. Well, I'm okay, but not that gift. Like, I love the gifts of the Spirit because when people say, well, I'm okay with the gifts of the Spirit. I'm like, which one? The word of knowledge? Well, no, no, that makes me uncomfortable. Prophecy? No, I don't like that word. The word of wisdom? No, I don't like people to get in my business. Well, what about the gift of faith? Yeah, I'm okay with faith. Okay, we got one out of nine we're okay with so far. What about the gift of tongues? No. What about the gift of interpretation of tongues? No. What about the working of miracles? Well, pastor, I don't know if we even believe miracles anymore. But I'm okay with discernment. So we got two, faith and discernment, but our understanding of discernment is really just a critical spirit. Because we think, really what discernment is, is I get to criticize whether you're right or wrong. And so out of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, the truth is we don't like any of them. And the two that we do like, there's only one of them we relatively use, right? Which is the gift of faith. But that's actually talking about faith that is greater than normal faith. It's a superimposed supernatural faith. That's walk on water stuff. Are, are you with me? Not just believe in Jesus stuff. That's walk on water. See, everybody, everybody in the boat believed in Jesus. One man walked on the water, Peter. So that's a gift of faith. God, if that's you, tell me to get out of the boat. That's the gift of faith. So even sometimes when we say things like we lumble together, well, I'm okay with the Holy Spirit gifts, are you? The Holy Spirit comes to give us power. Do you know why He comes to give you power? Because you need it. God's not into giving you things you don't need. And so if God promised the disciples the promise of the Holy Spirit, which was to be filled with power, they needed it. Now I'm going to go a step farther and make everybody in here nervous. If the Holy Spirit coming, if the, if the initial experience of that is tongues, you must need that too. I love my job. See, we want, I want to experience with God, do you? Because here's an experience every believer can have. They can speak with new tongues. Well, I don't want that experience. I want the controlled reign over here. <laughs> oh, huh. Unfortunately, God's not like your sprinkler system. You can't set it to which zone and how long. I'm having so much fun. Can you experience Passover? Yeah, the, 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 the Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm the Son of God. Can I experience salvation or Passover? Yeah, I experience that. Can I experience water baptism? Yeah, I get wet. And God cuts my heart, cuts the flesh of my heart. That's an experience. Then can I experience the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yeah, you can and what does that initial experience look like, tongues? Well, does it have to be that? Now, let me explain why I use the word experience and not the word evidence. 
If you grow up in, in some Pentecostal traditions, they like to use the word evidence. The reason I don't like that is because an experience is for me and evidence is for you. I don't need to prove anything to you. I just need to have the experience with God. Are you with me? But if you trace, most denominations, really just about every major denomination started in a move of God. And Pentecostal traditions started, many of them are traced back to the revival at Azusa Street uh, in the early 1900s. And it was a wonderful move of God. I've studied It's incredible. I mean, people's limbs grew back. You know you're having church when someone's arm grows out in front of you. Almost looked like the withered hand that Jesus healed, right? The problem was because like in normal moves, God moves and then men try to organize it and structure it and, and make doctrine. And we need some of that. Don't get me wrong. We need People have to lead, you know. But in order to, to, to distinguish it, they used the word evidence and they would say, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have what I have. And it became really an arrogance even more than an evidence. And the truth is, I don't need the Holy Spirit to make me better than someone else. I need the Holy Spirit to make me better than me. And so I don't need evidence, I need an experience. And I want you to understand the baptism with the Holy Spirit is an experience. And you say, well, but does it, does it have to be tongues? Does it, does, it, does it have to be tongues, Pastor? I didn't make the rules. I, I asked God as I studied for this message. I've never asked God this question, actually. But I asked God, I was like, God, why tongues? Like, why tongues? Out of all things. Like, if, if there was an evidence that, that we were filled with the Holy Spirit, it could have been like, we all work a miracle. That'd be really cool. That'd be a good introduction, right? You know, like, oh, I'm filled with the Spirit. I just raised the dead. Praise God. He's got it. That'd be fun. Right? Working the miracles. Like, that's how you know you're full of the Spirit. You walk on water. I don't know. Just, but it was tongues. Now, now before I answer that question, let me answer this question. Don't let me forget, I'm going to tell you what God said when I ask him why tongues, okay? But if you're still sitting here, I need to tell you this, and you're like, well, is tongues really it? Where did we get that, or where did that come from? Well, in the book of Acts, which covers nearly 30 years of church history, it's the only historical book. There are 12 history books in the Old Testament. There's one history book in the New Testament. It's Acts. So, with with that, where, where did we get that? Well, there are five times in the book of Acts where people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And every time it's an experience. And, and most of the time, the language even changes. about seven different ways to describe people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, I said five times. There are five times people are filled with the Spirit for the first time. There are other times where people who had been filled with the Spirit are refilled with the Spirit. Does that make sense? Because how many know some, you need to be filled and then filled and then filled? Right? It's kind of like Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. I think in a way Paul was saying, don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Spirit. Now here's what I know about being drunk with wine, not from personal experience. I've just heard the rumors. That if you got drunk on Friday night, today you're sober. Well, if you wanted to stay drunk, you'd have to keep drinking. If you want to stay filled, you got to keep being filled. You with me? Okay, that was Paul. 
So, so there are times, like Acts chapter 2, the disciples feel the Spirit. Acts chapter 4, they're filled with the Spirit. There are times people feel the Spirit more than once. But there are five times people are filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts for the first time. Acts chapter 2, we read the day of Pentecost, right? Um, then there's Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10. Let's see, 2, 8, 10, 9. That's the one I missed. 2, 8, 9, 10. And 19. In 19, the Ephesians are filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's 24 years after the day of Pentecost. Because some people say, well, that was just the day of Pentecost. Well, 24 years later, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues. Tw- 24 years later. Are you with me? Out of those five times, three of them, the Bible specifically says they spoke in tongues. The day of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, when, when the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, they spoke in tongues. And then in Acts chapter 19, when Paul prayed for the Ephesians, they spoke with tongues. In Acts chapter 8, we know something happened that was an experience because a sorcerer saw the power of it and asked Peter, could he buy the baptism of the Holy Spirit to put in his magic act? Essentially, that's the conversation. So I'm just saying, like, I believe there's a lot of things we receive by faith, and that's good. But what was going on in the book of Acts was an experience, not just I had faith. Are you, are you tracking with me? And then in Acts chapter 9, Paul is baptized with the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say that he spoke in tongues, but it doesn't have to because Paul tells us, And I quote, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Right? And that made it in the Bible. Which means God said, he does. So where did we come up with tongues? Well, it's all throughout the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit, people are filled. In fact, I could read and I, I don't have time to read it, but just to paraphrase, in Acts chapter 8, one of the times in Acts that you don't specifically see the word tongues used, it still says they had basically, these believers in Samaria had received the word of God, and Peter and John come down, and it said they've received the word of God, meaning they've been saved, and it says then they baptized them in water and then laid their hands on them that they'd received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So in other words, Peter and John didn't say, hey, y'all believed in Jesus, great. Well, let's just dunk in the water and we're all good. They said, no, we've dunked in the water. There's still something else. We already talked about Paul. In Ephesians, when Paul shows up to Ephesus and he says, you know, basically, are y'all church people? And they said, yeah. And he said, well, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said this, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I think there's people in church today like we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. We didn't even know that because we haven't, we grew up in a church that didn't didn't teach that, didn't understand that, or didn't want to acknowledge it, or whatever the case, that wasn't their doctrine, whatever the case may be. And Paul kind of backs up. He's like, "Well, are you even saved?" And so Paul rebaptizes them and then lays his hands on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Acts chapter 19, 24 years after Pentecost. You can read it for yourself. Point is, is the experience. Now, remember what I said. I asked the Lord, why tongues? Right? That's the, that's the theological background and, and proof thereof that this is the experience of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? 
But I asked God, I said, why tongues? Because, you know, I have conversations with God. How many know the Holy Spirit's still teaching? God's still talking. And so he doesn't always answer. In fact, he doesn't answer a lot of my questions. But occasionally he does, and I'm excited. Usually he'll answer a question if I'm asking it for you. It's kind of weird. So I'm like, I wrote the message, and and I, I, I hadn't even put this in there, but I was just praying about it. I said, God, why tongues? Like, out of all things, Lord. Here's what he said. He said, number one, because you need it. Like, oh, <laughs> good answer, God. <laughs> you need it. You know what Jude said? Pr- building myself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I need to be built up in my faith because I live in this world. And so God said, he said, you need it. I said, why tongues? He said, because you need it. I said, but why tongues? He said, because then you know it. It's like I said, there's a lot of people for years have debated on whether the baptism of the Holy Spirit means you speak with tongues or you don't. And a lot of people will try to take this line and say, well, you can be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit and not speak with tongues. I'm not saying you can't, but how do you know it? See, I like the fact that the Spirit bears witness with my spirit so that I know that I'm saved. I like the fact that my body gets wet with water so I know I was baptized. And I like the fact that I speak with tongues so I know I'm full of the Holy Spirit. So he said, you need it. And he said, you know it. The last thing he told me I thought was interesting because it's a more God thing. I said, why tongues? And that's what he said. He said, because of the purity of it. Kind of thought for a minute, purity of it. And then it just kind of came to me. There's no curse words in tongues. No one has ever used the Lord's name in vain in tongues. No one's ever spoken coarsely in tongues or inappropriately in tongues. No one's said evil things in tongues. The devil can't speak in tongues. For God, it's a pure language. There's a purity to it. In fact, I'll read this. This is Zephaniah 3 verse 9. This is such a cool picture. It says, for after the Messiah, he's talking about after, he's prophesying for after the Messiah comes. He said, I'll restore to the people a pure language. Look at that, pure language. That all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him. And I love this with one accord. Why do I love that? Because in Acts chapter 2, it says, when they were all together in one accord, after the Messiah had come, the Holy Spirit comes and they speak in a pure language. In a pure language. Today, I'm not trying to get you to talk in tongues that I don't need, you don't need to prove anything to me. It's not about evidence. But what I'm saying, if, if you want an experience with God, He offers one. And He offers one that you know you have. And so many times, I don't know about you, but kind of like controlled rain showers, 
Sometimes we're kind of guilty of saying, God, I want an experience with you, but this is the experience I want to have or how I want to have it. And what I'm saying today is, I don't know about you, but I'd love to be drenched in the Holy Spirit of God. And I so much want to be drenched in the Holy Spirit of God, I really don't care what it looks like. I really don't care if my hair gets wet. I don't care. In fact, I want it to affect every part of my life. I want it to affect me being a dad or me being a husband. I want it to affect me being a boss or me being a leader, especially me being a pastor. I just, I just want God. And Lord, if you baptize, baptize. And Lord, if that, if, if that sounds like tongues, then let it come from my tongue. Why would I want to be ashamed of a gift and a promise that is from God? Why would I? Who would, in fact, here's a good question. Who would ever convince us we should be ashamed of the Holy Spirit? It would have to be the devil. Because he knows the power of the Holy Spirit. And he knows the power of speaking in tongues. And he knows the power of having that experience with God. So what does he do? He starts telling us, put the Holy Spirit in a box. Keep him in the back. Let him try to have controlled rain showers, but don't let him out in the room. Don't have those kind of experiences. Don't have those kind of encounters. Why? Because then you'll go turn the world upside down. How did 12 men turn the world upside down? How did 120 people turn the world upside down? Because they waited in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came and filled them with power. They just said, God will wait on you and we won't tell you what it has to look like, what it has to sound like, or what it has to be like. Guys, let's get back to this as a church where God doesn't have to move through our denomination and God doesn't have to move through our doctrine and God doesn't have to move around our past experiences, good or bad. And God doesn't have to come through our past experiences. Like he doesn't have to move the way he moved once before because we were in a, maybe a place and God moved. And we're like, well, a move of God looks like this or a move of God doesn't look like, no. What if we just said, we don't know. Just like that first century church, we're just going to wait until we're filled with power. We're just going to wait on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to put parameters and guidelines and rules and doctrine and dogma around that. Just going to let God be God. This, to me, would be a great church. This, to me, could be our church. See, today, I'm, I'm giving a message today, but it's not a message for today. It's for a message for every service we ever have after today. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It's like Pastor Marty's Sermon on the Mount, right? Like, hold this one with you, church. Because I want it to change the way we do church forever. That from now on, God doesn't have to move through our denomination, doctrine, dogma, and all the stuff that I said. From now on, we gather and say, Holy Spirit, we want you. God, we want you. And we're not ashamed of anything you do or how you do it or the way that you move. And you don't have to fit in our boxes. and You don't have to fit in our ideas. You don't, we're not going to try to put the infinite in the finite other than just say, fill us with you. And God, if that experience comes with tongues, sign me up for a double portion because I need it and I'll 
I'll know it. And it's a pure language where I can talk with you. And the Bible says I can speak the mysteries of God with God. And because I, I just want that. I want that experience with you. And what if we approached every service that way? I can't imagine how our church would look in a year. I can't imagine. Why don't we stand? I can't imagine how our lives would look in a year. It's probably more important than our church. I mean, I love our church, but church is individual lives. I just want to pray. We, we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately. We have a lot of services. By the way, Monday's prayer, you can come there because we don't have a clock. I just want to pray for us. And I just want to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. It's Pentecost. And if you want to be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit, you can be right where you're at. If you're watching online, you can be right where you're at. And you say, can I speak with tongues? You absolutely can, right where you're at, as the Holy Spirit enables you. We don't teach people syllables or speak in tongues or anything silly. It's a gift of God. It's a promise of God. It's something God does, not something man teaches. You say, what does that look like? Well, the Bible says out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. My personal experience, and I can only tell you my personal experience, was after months of praying for the baptism with the Holy Spirit, I think because I'm analytical, it just took a while. I also think because I was in a tradition where I'd seen a lot of Interesting. We'll just use the word interesting because it's a neutral term. <laughs> like, how was dinner? It was interesting. I, that could be good or bad. I don't know. But because I'd seen so many interesting things, I think I was so set. Like, I just want something real from God, and I don't want to go through emotion or do something. You know, does that make sense? And so because of that, I think I was just so hang, so so in control. And I finally just surrendered. I said, God, I don't care. I don't care what or how. And I was all by myself. I was in college. And it was like, it's like I filled up with this, this river of living water. I don't know. I mean, that's the words of Jesus. I don't know how to explain it. That's what it felt like to me. And it just started bubbling over. And I remember just, like I would say, hearing and feeling syllables. Like, I mean, I heard them in my mind. Does that make sense? I heard them in my mind. I felt them in my mind. I wasn't speaking them, but it's like they didn't make any sense to me. And then I just thought, I'll just, that must be it. I'll go with it. And so I just started, whatever those syllables were, I just started speaking those syllables. And man, when I did, it's like even more came and the power of God got even more strong or stronger. And um, it was an incredible experience. I'll never forget it. So I, I, that's not doctrine. That's not scripture. That was my experience. Does that make sense? But I think if it gives you a context for a way, the, a way the Holy Spirit might move, He can do anything. I'm not saying that is how He does it every time. That, that's my experience. Does that make sense? But you can have your own experience. And maybe it looks like that. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I've heard of people that pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they actually woke up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues. And when they prayed about it, the Lord said, Well, your mind kept getting in the way, so I just baptized you while you were sleeping. I don't know. Here's what I do know. I just want Him. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I just pray for you? I wish we had about an hour to worship and pray, and we don't. I'm so sorry. 
but can I just, and you're welcome to stay over for the 11 because we may do this differently in the 11 or 11.45, whatever time. I don't know what time. Next service, whenever it is. But can I pray for us? Will you bow your heads with me? Maybe even just turn your hands, palms up because he said, this is what he said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven give give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so I'd put my palms up like we're receiving a gift. The Holy Spirit's in the room. He's in the room. Holy Spirit. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. We honor you. It's your day. And God, we we want to take the limits off. Forgive us, God. We're forgive us where we've tried to make your move look a certain way, whether it was just because we'd seen it that way before or even because it was something we were comfortable with. And forgive us where we've tried to get you to fit in our doctrine or our boxes. And forget us where we've tried to get those controlled rain showers in the places that we want them. And God, for a pastor, forgive me because I've wanted you to reign enough to make me look good, but not enough to mess up my plan. And God, I'd just like to go on record that I'd rather that be the other way. I'd love for you to reign so much it messes up every plan I have for the rest of my life. Holy Spirit, we want you. Just like we sang, we want you. And Lord, there are people in this room, and I can sense it, they are so hungry for you. And God, we're not hungry for a doctrine. We're not hungry for a force or a power. We're hungry for a person. We're hungry for the Holy Spirit, the very person of God, the very presence of God, and the very power of God. We're hungry. The Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I'm going to pray and I'm just going to ask you to baptize people in the Holy Spirit. I don't know who in the room, where I don't know where everybody's at, but I know there are people in the room right now, God, who want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, just like you did on the day of Pentecost, would you pour out your Spirit again? on us just like we rain come just like we say come rest on us God baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire oh with fire God baptize us again with the power of the Holy Spirit God we need you we can't live without you we can't be a dad or, or a mom or a parent without, we can't be a boss. We, 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 can't, we can't be a husband or a wife. We can't live without, we're never supposed to live without being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God, fill us up. Fill us up, Lord. We receive 
And God, I pray where, where there's that baptism and there's that experience of tongues. God, I just pray right now people would be released in that gift. They would be released in that gift right now, God. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be over the top. It's just, it's the evidence. It's not evidence. It's an experience. It's for us. It's not for everybody around us. But God, I just pray where there's hungry people right now, God, baptize them with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Where there are thirsty people right now, drench them in the rain, the former and the latter rain. Lord, that we would proclaim just like Peter, this is that that was prophesied by Joel, that in in the last days, he would pour out his spirit on all flesh and your young men would see dreams and your old men would see visions and, and on his handmaidens and servants, he would pour out on everyone the Holy Spirit God pour out the Holy Spirit on us God pour out the Holy Spirit on us God we receive we receive we receive in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus I know we have to go. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. We're going to make a quick turn. But here's what I say. Don't let this, please, if you don't let this message be a one-day message and don't let it stop here. Let this be a way that reframes how we do church. Let this become a cultural norm that we come and ask God to be God and move. And we expect people to be saved. And we expect people to be filled with the Holy Spirit just like we expect them to be water baptized. And we expect miracles and signs and wonders. We expect God to just do do what he does his way, how he moves. No more controlled showers. We just want to be drenched in the Spirit. Amen. And I want to say this. If you're praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're like, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't speak in tongues. It's okay. Remember, for me, I, probably because I was hard-headed. I'm not saying you're hard-headed, but I was hard-headed. It took several months of me praying and asking God for the gift of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. So I would just say, let this be the start and not the end. And let me say this. If you spoke in tongues, let me also say that's not the end. That's the beginning too. Either way, it's the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning of what God wants to unlock and do in your life. Amen? Pathway, I love you so much. I'm telling you, we're about, we're about to see things in our church over the next few months that I've never seen before. I can't wait to see it. I'm so glad you're with me. And I love preaching messages like this on the holidays because it's like the, the chosen anointed people show up and get the best stuff, in my opinion. That's just, you know, serve your best food on the holidays, everybody. I love you. If you need prayer, you need a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to pray with you. If you're online, you need prayer, you can text pray with me to 94,000. Everyone else, sorry we have to go. We're tied on time, so go get your kids. I love you so much. I will see you next weekend, if not before. God bless you. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app. And we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also... Uh, Make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, 
Our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.